WNBA Nation, welcome to part four. That's right. It's Kyle Haywood, and I'm here with my good friend, Logan Jones. How we doing, Logan? Oh, it's Logan. Uh, shoot, I didn't really think of anything past that. Um, <laughs> that sounded like it's just to really refer you to yourself in third person. It's Logan. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to come in with like energy, like, yeah, yeah. It's the, cause it's the last, it's right. We're done with midseason grades. This is the last one. Yeah, we're done with the midseason grades. I, it's, it's been a fun series. I actually have really enjoyed doing this series. I'm kind of excited to, cause I, I, I have like the format. I came up with like the, the, different like touch points for each of these teams. I'm, I'm kind of excited to move past that because I, I don't want it to become too repetitive. And that's why we didn't do these. We considered doing these like one episode per team and really breaking them down. But I, we didn't want it to get too repetitive. And so we thought we could just chunk them out into like, a, to like a four part series with three teams in each. And so I think it's about perfect though. I'm about ready to be done with this format and move into some other WNBA stuff that, yeah, as the season gets back up and rolling. But Logan, tonight we're going to be discussing Phoenix, Seattle and Washington. So those are the three teams on the docket tonight. And I'm pretty excited to discuss these three. Uh, as always, Phoenix and Seattle are teams that we always in particular seem to have a, a really good pulse on because they were teams who really introduced us into the league. And then Washington has one of the more intriguing storylines of any team this season so far. So I'm excited to discuss these three teams with you. But before we get into that, Logan, why don't you let our listeners know how they can best be in contact with us and interact with us? Absolutely. So we live stream our episodes on Twitch. So we're there right now. As we record, we've got a chat going. People contribute as we talk about these topics. You can visit us at twitch.tv slash WNBA Nation on our recording days, which we tweet out on our Twitter feed, um, which is at WNBA Nation Pod. And then obviously you can subscribe and listen anywhere podcasts are found. I just said podcasts. Podcasts. That's, we might have to start over. <laughs> <laughs> just um, just burn the whole episode at just, this point. You know what? Forget it. Uh, <laughs> anywhere podcasts are found. And then of course, if you're on Apple Podcasts, if you drop that five-star review, we get to use our very fun five-star review drop that Jason puts in and read it on the air and get all the warm fuzzies, which we really enjoy. And that helps the visibility of the show and more people discover it. Just FYI, we haven't mentioned this little factoid in a long time, but... We are in the top 100 basketball podcasts on Apple Podcasts, yeah. which is pretty special. So we want to, you know, we want to keep climbing that that ranking, and we want our our fellow our fellow W coverers, like the other the other podcasts that we always listen to and reference on the show. We want them to join that ranking as well. So the more we can do for women's basketball through this show, the better, and you get to be a big part of that. So. Please support in all those ways, and we'll keep you updated if uh, if more things come your way. So we probably should clarify with the uh, with Apple Podcasts. I don't know if anybody else is in this situation, but that's that is my uh, source of podcasts, and I listen to quite a few of them. A lot of sports and a lot of other actually just random other things that I I have interest in. Uh, that's what I listen to every day on my commutes. 
and it took me forever with the new the new layout to figure out how to like subscribe to a show because there's no longer like a subscribe button. It's like a little plus sign. So you go to like the show page and like at the very top, there's this little tiny plus sign and you click it and it says following. And that's it. Like that's uh, it's Oh, it turns into a check mark when you're following. Yeah. Yeah, it's super random. <laughs> so if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you'd like to subscribe or you haven't subscribed yet, that's how to do it. That's the way to do it. Is to hit that little plus, go to the show uh the show page and at the very top there's a little plus. And uh, maybe some of you that would like to, that are subscribed to our show and are listening are like, oh, that's how I subscribe to some of these other shows because it took me a minute. Logan, let's get right into it. We've got some excellent teams to discuss today, starting with the team that really was our first introduction into the league as a group, and that is the Phoenix Mercury. So we're going to talk Mercury basketball here for just a little bit. The Phoenix Mercury are currently sitting in seventh place. With a record of nine and ten, so technically they are right about tied with New York for that six and seven spot. They both are six games out of first place. However, New York has played two more games, and so they have one more win. They're at ten and eleven. Phoenix is at nine and ten. So they're they're pretty well right in the middle of the pack. So as far as the standings go and their record, Phoenix Mercury are they doing better or worse than you expected this season, Logan? For other teams, this has kind of been an easy question. I have a hard time getting a beat on this Mercury team. <laughs> mm-hmm. If I'm being totally honest. Because like at seven, I feel like seven's a little low for the talent that they have on the roster. But this is a case where it's like, well, they're nine and ten, and with another two wins, they'd be like in the top five. And like like this is where the standings being tight kind of like starts to make me question myself and whether, you know, they're, they, they're, they're a win above the Washington mystics who we're talking about later in the show. They're what, like a win below the Chicago sky. It doesn't seem like those are two teams that you should be able to be close to at the same time. So I don't know. I, I guess they're a little underperforming because I think this should be an above 500 team, but they've had some injuries. Trousy sat out with a chest injury and she missed some games and, Admittedly, when I see them on a good team schedule, in my mind, I kind of chalk it up as like a good team should probably beat them. Ooh, I don't like saying that. I love my Merc fam, but <laughs> for now, I I think if the the if the Mercury turn it on in the second half of the season and make a little bit of a run, it's more like okay, I think that's who they are in reality. Right. So right now, I think they're a little bit under where I expected. That's fair. Uh, that's, that's pretty much where I've got them as well. I expected them to probably be like a top five team, like it, right at that five or six spot. And it's not so much, again, it's not so much that, that they're like way out of place as far as their, you know, ranking. It's not like they're like way, like if you told me that they were floating right around 500 at this point in the season, I'd be like, yeah, okay, that's believable. So I don't feel like they're way off, but again, I just think it's just they haven't quite clicked yet. And, They've, it's not that they're like missing players, you know, uh, another team that we're going to discuss later, Washington has had to do it with out, you know, three of their main players this season. And so Phoenix has pretty much had, I mean, they had a Tarasi injury, but they've, they've pretty well been there and it's been really, you know, uh, slightly underwhelming. They've had some pretty decent games. They've had some questionable games that we'll get to, but yeah, I think they're slightly under where I would expect them to be at, uh, as far as, not just record and standing, but just eye test, which we we bring up quite a bit on these episodes. But let's hop into their schedule, Logan, and I want to discuss the best performance 
that they've had so far this season. And for me, as I look at as I look at their schedule and I'm going through, you know, their different results and and everything, I think they've had a couple really solid solid games. Uh but one in particular that really caught my eye was just before just before the uh, the break, they had a three-game stretch where they or excuse me, a, a five-game stretch where they went Minnesota, Minnesota, Las Vegas, Seattle, Seattle. And that is just a beast of a stretch. However, they came out with two victories over the top two teams in the league. And so the one in particular that stands out to me was they came out with a victory in Las Vegas, 99 to 90 over the Aces. That's a huge win. And it it stopped them from getting really into a losing streak. I think if they'd have dropped that game, I don't know if I like their chances against Seattle in the next two games. So the fact that they gutted out that victory in Las Vegas is huge. And that actually helps me to feel a little bit better about them moving into the second half of the season where they're in these first couple games, they're going to be facing Atlanta, Indiana, Washington, Atlanta, New York, New York. Like they're facing a lot of winnable games coming into the second half of the season here. And so to, to go two and five against the top three teams in the league, yeah. that's that, that bodes pretty well for them. I'm curious what you thought their best performance was. I think it was the win over Seattle. I think mm. I think the Mercury Storm games are always kind of it's a friendly rivalry, but it is a rivalry. And and coming off of the heels of an overtime victory against Vegas, which could easily be their best one of the season, just the fact that those happened back to back, it got them back to 500. Griner showed out huge in both of those games. I'm I'm even kind of considering that Griner, we just watched her be so good in the Olympic gold medal match. It kind of feels like she's firing on all cylinders. So yeah, I I think. It, for a lot of teams, playing well before the break and then sitting for five weeks feels like, well, I don't know how much that counts. But for Phoenix, mm-hmm. that might have been just what the doctor ordered for the second half. And as you mentioned, easy schedule down the stretch through September. And then right before the playoffs, they get the top three teams, Connecticut, Seattle, Vegas, which, while a tough way to end the season, is actually a really good way to kind of, you know, you test your best against the best right before the playoffs and find out maybe some adjustments you need to make in order to make a deep run. So, right. There is there's reason to be really excited about the the Phoenix Mercury on the back half of the year based a lot on the strength of of Griner's play. I don't know how much W fans want to hear about Griner. She's been in the league for a long time and everyone kind of knows what she's about and that she's really dominant, but this is the best we've seen her play in the 4 or 5 years we've had the podcast running. 100%. And and I'm very excited about her kind of maybe being motivated by seeing a lot of Tina Charles and a lot of John Quill Jones talk around the league and saying like Phoenix is it should be better than nine and ten, and we've got an easy, you know, an easy August ahead that we can prove we belong in that discussion. Let's talk their worst performance because they've had some good victories as we just discussed. But I'm curious as you look through their through their schedule so far, what's a what's a, a game that just has you scratching your head and and wondering how did that happen? What's one that what stands out to you? A couple stand out. Like it would have been nice to get the sweep against. The, the Sparks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they dropped a game to the Sparks and then won the other two pretty handily. So that one kind of jumps out. They, they lost back-to-back games against Dallas, although Dallas is kind of a tricky matchup. So like I don't necessarily know if that's bad. Phoenix is weird because for being a game under 500, they actually don't have any losses that I think are gruesome. Right. Like I look at every loss on their schedule and I kind of get it. Like Minnesota's playing really well. Would have been nice to split those as well, but like you know, maybe that second game against Minnesota because a 99 to 68 game is kind of like, all right, that's not, you know, Phoenix should be putting up more than 70 points 
Uh, Minnesota plays great defense, but that's, I'll go with that one. Giving up almost a hundred to the Lynx, that's not a very good showing. And, and I wonder <laughs> if it kind of motivated the, you know, those next two wins against Vegas and Seattle because tough to lose back to back games to Minnesota, which is a team that I think they see themselves equal to um, and should be closer to in the standings. That's the one that stood out to me is that dropping a game, losing by 31 at home. I don't care who you're playing. That's a, that's, that's rough. And so, yeah, interesting that my worst performance comes right before what I considered their best performance on the season. But yeah, July 3rd just got absolutely thrashed by the Minnesota Lynx, uh, in Phoenix. So I'd agree with that. Logan, you brought up Brittany Griner earlier and I'd agree with you. I think that this is the best we we've watched the league like heavily for five seasons now. And this is by far the best Brittany Griner that we've seen in those five seasons. And I'm curious who your player highlight is from this team. Uh, it is going to be Brittany. She's averaging near the peak of her career in points per game. She's averaging two more rebounds, a, a three more, almost three more rebounds a game than she ever has in, you know, since 2013 when she, she was drafted. She's shooting the ball well. It, it showed in the Olympics. She's got great touch around the rim right now. She's just got a great feel for the game. And I think Phoenix is realizing that that needs to be who they are. Mm. They don't really have the spot up shooting to be a big time, like fast up and down the court, three point shooting team. Um, and that might cause them problems when they go, you know, they go up against the, the teams that have the, like that kind of firepower. Maybe, you know, it, it was a pretty encouraging that they split the Seattle series, but it doesn't surprise me that they beat Vegas because Vegas is sort of, they, they try to play that same way. And to be able to match up well with Vegas, I mean, Vegas was in the finals last year. So this is maybe a sneaky team. I, I know Phoenix gets a lot of coverage. It's, you know, they just had three players go to the Olympics. So it's not like they get overshadowed necessarily. But based on their first half performance, maybe people don't expect a lot of them and don't realize that they've got a pretty easy schedule coming up. An incredibly easy schedule. Full of players that have been playing well. And I think... If any team benefited from having players in the Olympics instead of at home resting, it's Phoenix. I think, uh, I think coming, coming into their second half of the schedule. Yeah. I think that it's again, they play Indiana three times, Atlanta three times and New York twice. And then they've got a game against Washington. Like all of those teams right there are all very beatable. You only have to play once against Chicago, once against Connecticut, once against Seattle, once against Las Vegas. And if you can snag one or two of those games and beat the rest of the teams that you should, Phoenix could very, very easily find themselves like in a buy in a first round buy scenario or, you know, at, at minimum. So I really like the second half of the schedule here. My player highlight, which is is funny. I don't think we've done this yet on any of the teams that we've covered, but my player highlight is going to be Sky Dig, um, which is basically we just took the top two scores from the team, uh, <laughs> which which is not generally how we've done this. We've you know had oh I like this rookie or oh I like what this player's been you know coming off the bench. Sky Dig is. Still trying to kind of figure out the role that she has and how she plays alongside some of this uh, Phoenix Mercury team, because the one year she's had with them was in the bubble. And that was just an, a weird year, obviously. And so to have her be playing so well 
and to come off this, uh, you know, she was in the Olympics, but she wasn't. So she's practicing with Brittany Griner, with Diana Taurasi. You know, she's getting more minutes with them, building relationships there, um, but wasn't overly fried as far as playing time. I think that that bodes well for, for this group coming back off of the Olympic schedule. So shout out to Skydig. We're, we're big fans. Skydig might be my wife's favorite player in the league. So I got to give a shout out there. Logan, let's give a grade here. As far as the Phoenix Mercury go, I'm going to go ahead and, and give them a grade of C plus. I think that as, as tough as their schedule was the first half of the season, to be where they're at within striking distance, having not played games against the bottom two teams of the, of the league, I think that they actually did a pretty good job and they've got two more games to play than some of the other teams in the league. And so I, I like, I like their odds of, of turning it around. That being said, it's passable right now, but they have an opportunity for some real extra credit here in the, in the back half of the season to, to maybe make a push into the playoffs and and do some damage there. And if that happens, then I'll be, I'll be raising my grade significantly for Phoenix. Logan, I'm curious what you have uh, as far as Phoenix's midseason grade. Yeah, I don't want to be too harsh. I was kind of leaning towards like a D plus or a C minus, but I feel like there's a big difference between those two. Okay. Uh, I, I'm going to give them the benefit of a doubt and kind of lean towards what I expect in the second half, which is a bad way to grade the first half. Okay. Um, but I'll go ahead and say C minus. I did, I looked it up just now while we were highlighting her and Brittany Griner's had eight games of 25 plus points scoring this year. Most of them in, in just recent, um, when she's really got going and Phoenix has only won three of those games. So as good as she's been and as exciting as, as, as excited as I am that she's playing well because you'd think team success would follow, it hasn't always translated to wins just yet. And so I'm cautious and nervous, but they are a game below 500 and they're just a couple of those nice, easy wins. Uh, there's no easy wins in the W, but there are some teams that they should beat and put together a nice little like six or seven game winning streak here. And that sort of thing can catapult you up into, you know, fourth, fifth place. Maybe you're talking about a bye. If nothing else, you're talking about a pretty favorable matchup in the playoffs. So C minus for now. Good things could be coming for this Phoenix team. I hope for the best. Sophie Cunningham's <laughs> a good player. Just wanted to give a shout out to, to Cunningham because I know we've got listeners in the chat that are, <laughs> that are huge fans of, uh, of Sophie's. Let's move on to Seattle. Seattle is the number one team in the league with a record of 16 and five. They're a game ahead of the number two Las Vegas Aces looking pretty solid. They are seven and three over their last 10 games. But Logan, Seattle, better or worse than you expected from the defending champions? Yes, better. I really I was a Seattle believer, but I know in the offseason we started kind of raising our eyebrows at some of the pieces they lost defensively. And started thinking like, oh, I'm like, they're, they are going to regress. Like they're not going to be world beaters. The thing is they were so good last year that they had some room, right? Like they had some wiggle room to regress a little bit and still be great. And they still are great. So I, I guess, uh, I don't know. They're, they're the best team in the league. How can, I mean, they're, they're doing what we expected if that's what you thought this team was about and better than expected if you thought they were going to drop down. I know we had some bold predictions in our chat saying that maybe they'd like miss the playoffs this year, uh, maybe over 
overlooking or, or or overestimating how much the Alicia Clark and Natasha Howard departures would really affect them. Um, so for for a lot of listeners, maybe they're doing better than expected, even though they are the reigning champs. But I, you know, I'm not super surprised. It, it's a Bree Stewart led Sue Bird Jewel Lloyd MVP season team, right? Like they they're gonna win a lot of games. I they are doing better than I expected. Like there's no two ways about it. I had them dropped. I can't remember if I had them fourth. I might have even had them all the way down at fifth. But I I thought that what they lost in Alicia Clark, Natasha Howard, and and Sammy Whitcomb was going to be more significant than it ended up being. And I I guess I guess maybe I should have considered how dominant they were last season. And taking that into consideration that they had a buffer before there was a second place team, like a significant buffer. And Aces fans aren't going to like, you know, me uh, like me saying that because they were like, we're the number one seed. True. However, last year, that Seattle team was just built different. Like they were they were so good. And so I guess I should have considered the amount of buffer space that they had between them and the rest of the league. But I still considered that, yeah, I mean, their defensive anchors were gone and an, and an outside shooting threat off the bench was gone. And, you know, they, they did a pretty good job of replacing some of that with, you know, Katie Lou Samuelson and others. But overall, I was I was expecting a lot more of a drop off. And so they have outperformed my expectations significantly. But let's go ahead and take a look at their schedule and 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 see what is the best performance that they've had. So far on the season, as I look through their schedule and as I reflect back on some of these games, one in particular really, really stands out to me. And it's against the Connecticut Sun. Yeah. Back on June 13th, they they throttled this team. They beat them by like 23 points in Connecticut. And at the time, Connecticut was looking like, you know, a top two or three, I mean, they are a top three team, but like maybe the best team, you know, they were right there with Seattle and Seattle came in and just was like, Nope, we're sending a message to everyone in this league. We are, you know, like we're here to take some names and that's exactly what they did. And to me, that was, that was the, a a real, just absolute trouncing that, that I thought was probably their best performance on the, on the season so far. So Logan, I'm curious what your take is there. Yeah. I, I looked at that one. That was the one. Remember, uh, Connecticut didn't have John Quill Jones for like five right. games while she was in, in the Euro, uh, doing mm-hmm. like Euro ball and had been doing pretty good. And the Sun were like, Hey, like we're, we're holding our own even without our MVP. Yeah. We're more than just John Quell and Alyssa. Yeah. And then they went up against Seattle and just got smacked. And it was like, okay, <laughs> so against Seattle, you probably need your big inside presence, like your most important player. So that, yeah, that really, if you're looking for an MVP case for John Quell Jones, <laughs> that they, uh, they did not contend in that game. There's not a lot of other, I mean, just because you expect big things from the Seattle team, it's kind of like, I don't know. They've had a lot of really good performances. They've had a lot of overtime victories, um, which have been thrilling, but they've also been, I, I don't know. I, you could say the, the 90 to 87 overtime uh, win against Connecticut, just because Connecticut got off to a hot start at the very beginning of the season. Mm. Seattle still kind of wanted to assert that it was like, Hey, we're still Seattle. So that was kind of an important win. And it was their second overtime win in like three days, which was yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. There's, there's not one that kind of stands out as like, 
this is who Seattle is and everyone should be scared. It's just kind of the, the full body of work is what gives me that impression. But individual game wise, they've, I mean, they've beaten bad teams by a lot and they've played some good teams close. And that's just kind of what you got to do. Kind of where we sit. <laughs> I'm curious about your takes on worst performance so far this season, Logan. You you might go with this one, and I totally would understand it. But I'm actually not going to say the 68-67 Dallas loss, because all of those Dallas games actually were freaking rad. and They were crazy. Really fun. So I <laughs> like even though that's probably the worst team they've lost to this year, I don't actually think that's their worst performance. It's actually like, like Dallas took them to overtime twice. And then finally got them in a game where it looked like they just like ran out of gas. <laughs> yeah, those three Dallas games where every one of them was decided by a single possession is just odd to me. Like, I don't know if that's just matchups or if that was just, you know, a, a, a certain vibe that was going on. Yeah. But to have a team that's as far down in the standings as Dallas is to play you within one possession on three occasions, like that's... That's yeah, really to, intriguing to, to me. To score like 35 fewer points against them in your last matchup against them is is not great. Um, Stewart didn't have a great night offensively, but I don't know. They lost by 16 to Vegas at the top end of the season too, and like you could you could say that one. I'm, it's hard for me to pick best and worst performance for this team, but it probably I'd probably lean towards the Vegas one. Right? They come out, they open the season mm-hmm. with a win. They remind everybody why they're the champs, but then Vegas gets it right back and evens the series. And then later they actually take the series in an overtime win, mm-hmm. uh, which was again, a great game. Like Stewart was huge in that game. So I don't want to say they performed badly, but uh, maybe, you know, maybe a little bit of the mental edge that they wanted to wield in the playoffs this year is lost because of that early loss to Vegas. Can I ask you really quick, since you've got it right in front of you, how many overtime games has Seattle had this season? They are three and one in overtime this year. Okay. So four overtime games with a couple others that have come down to just one possession. Like we already mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, Dallas. That's where I, I think. You could go, you know, one of two ways. You could say, well, maybe they're not quite as good as their schedule like says they are because they've been really lucky. The balls bounce the right way down the stretch. Or you can say, hey, that's what makes them so good is even in close games, they know how to close it out because they've got some veteran talent on the team and they just know what they've got that that clutch gene. So you could go a couple different ways. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think that, that aces loss early on, you, as good as, as the aces are, like that, that was kind of a, oh, maybe we're like, oh, Seattle's still amazing. Oh, they just lost by 16, you know? So the rest of the, I don't hate the rest of their losses. You know, it was against Phoenix, Vegas, Washington, and Dallas. None of those are like really, really bad losses. So I, I agree. I don't have a, a great pick for worst performance. However, Player highlights, Logan. Let's talk a player highlight. For me, this one's easy. It's Jewel Lloyd. 100% of the way, Jewel Lloyd, and y'all know how big of a fan of Jewel Lloyd we we are here at the show. And I'm going to take it because even though Logan has a signed jersey of, of Jewel Lloyd's, or no, sorry, Steve has that. You got Bree Stewart's. You got Bree Stewart's. Yeah. I'm taking Jewel because she's had a phenomenal season and has looked every bit the part that uh, that you would want her to to look as we as we move forward. She's 
She's playing fantastic basketball, well-rounded. And I think that, you know, stat wise, you're not going to make a, an argument for her to be like MVP or anything, but it's the movement and the, the catalyst that she is for Seattle, especially on the offensive side of the ball is a headache for other teams to have to deal with. And so I got to give a shit, a shout out to, uh, to our, our girl gem there. Uh, Logan, I'm curious who your shout out is going to be. Man, it's tough to just pick somebody because Jewel Lloyd is having a heck of a season, especially the way she started the season. She came out and I, I think she hit 20 points per game or 25 points per game. Like, five times in the first six or seven games. Yeah. And she's just, she's been the scoring threat. We always knew she could be. And we've always kind of suspected that if she was the one a on a different team, that team would be really great. Yeah. Um, but because she's in Seattle, she's, she's just kind of like part of the, the wave of talent that just hits you every time you have to face them. I kind of want to give a shout out. I don't want this to feel icky because I know she gets plenty of press and she just won a gold medal. But I've kind of been saying it the last couple episodes. I think Bree Stewart is like having an MVP year, but just isn't as interesting of a name as everybody else to some people as Tina Charles and John Quill Jones, right? Because those are like the new entrants in the discussion, right? Because I I think people still acknowledge Asia, and to a degree, I think they're like, oh yeah, Stewie's really good. But like I would have her at three or four because these other two names are, you know, Tina Charles is scoring 26 points a game. They have more of a story. Yeah. Or John Cole Jones, like the, the son or playing better than we expected. Right, right, right. And I, I think people are just overlooking. I don't want to use the term overlooking because I've used that for a lot of players and nobody overlooks Bree Stewart's talent. I think we just forget <laughs> to put it in context. Right. Right. Like every night she goes out there and plays like a top tier player. We should be in awe that this is someone who ripped their Achilles off of their ankle and <laughs> rehabbed their way back to winning like whatever. She just won like the triple crown in the past calendar year, like the EuroLeague championship, the WNBA championship, and now a gold medal. And she's been an like integral part of each of those teams. She's been so good. And that's she's in contention right now with two or three other athletes as the best basketball player on the planet. And I I think people are quick to look for other more interesting storylines and forget why that Seattle team was able to lose so much this offseason and still have this motor that's propelling them to the number one seed. I like that. She's number three in points per game, number five in rebounds per game, number four in blocks per game. She's she's playing fantastic basketball, you know. And what's interesting is as you go through that same group, Brittany Griner is 0.1 points per game behind her. She's 0.1 rebounds ahead of Stewie and 0.3 blocks per game ahead of Stewie. So I think that's where I think you're right. I think Bree is having like an MVP level type season and everybody's just kind of like, well, we just ex- you know, almost like you just expect it from her. Kind of similar. We've mentioned this before. Tarasi should probably have three or four MVPs. And she has one. I, I wonder if, if Stewie's going to have a similar treatment, you know, like, yeah, I mean, she's got, she's got so much time and I, I don't know if that yeah. helps her or hurts her because people look at, like you look at Asia in her third season and you look at Brie in her fifth, like WNBA season. And you just think, well, they've got plenty of time. Like we, if we want to award them an MVP, it needs to be an exceptional season. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, this is this 2018 was probably Stewart's best statistical season. Which is crazy because you just mentioned she's top five across the league in every major category. 
and it's not even the best performance we've seen from her. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's pretty insane. I mean, 16 and 5 record with three games against New York, three games against Chicago coming up. They they actually have a kind of a funky end of season schedule. They play a five game road trip and then they're at home for six of the last no, excuse me, they're at home for five of the last six games. Yeah. Um, so they get to get nice and comfortable in Angel of the Winds before the playoffs, <laughs> uh, which is something that you don't want if you're a Seattle opponent. Logan, where are you going with your midseason grade for Seattle? I mean, you got to give them an A. They are, they're the best team and they're playing well, and there's no drama to speak of. They're able to handle a coaching change with ease, and their coach has actually been, I think, one of the least talked about storylines in the league this year. Um, I considered having Coach Quinn be my player shout out. I like I was very, very close to giving like uh, yeah. If it was if if I would have had you go first and you took like Jewel, I would have gone Coach Quinn. Yeah, like there's there's easily a universe where what they lost in the offseason on defense and you know, Super getting older and their coaching you know, their coaching change happening that you know, if, if they made the wrong choice they wouldn't have been bought in. Like there's a universe where they're a middle of the road team and instead they look like the team to beat in a pretty tightly contested playoff race so far. So all the props to Seattle, you got an A, keep up the good work. I, I'm not bored at all at the idea of them going back to back because they have to fend off some really good teams to win a title this year Yes, with, you know, less ammo than they had last year in the, in the bubble. So We'll see if they've got what it takes to make that run again. We'll see if uh, the Olympics tired out their three best players or if it just kept them energized. But, um, you know, we've got a Commissioner Cup matchup, and that's uh, that might be a good gauge for, you know, where this Storm team is because I expect them to win that game and use that to propel them forward. I'm going to go ahead and uh, just for the sake of not giving the exact same grade, I'm going to say A+, plus because they've not just exceeded, not just been top dogs, but exceeded my expectations. And again, just to still be in first place, just to still be looking like probably the best team in the WNBA right now. I got, I, I, I don't know if I could have asked for any more than what Seattle's already done so far this season. Now that may not stay the case again. They've got kind of a funky second half of the schedule and it's not easy. You know, they've, they don't have a ton of easy games in that second half stretch there. So we'll see how this team ends up. But right now, I don't think you could ask any more than what Seattle's already given you. I'm curious, uh, for this next team before we get discussing them too much, I want to ask our Twitch chat right now. If you're by your computer or you're on your, on your phone or whatever, go ahead and drop in the chat right now what you think the midseason grade should be for the Washington Mystics. And I want to see this come into the chat right now because I'm curious what um, I want to get your your takes and we'll read these off on mic as we get to the actual grade portion. So go ahead and and drop what your grade is for the Washington Mystics in the chat right now. Washington is currently sitting in eighth place with a record of eight and ten, six and a half games out of first place and exactly one game out of fifth place. So that you know five six seven eight stretch there is is well nine even if you include dallas you know five through nine is all within a game and a half of each other so there's a lot of shakeup that could happen in that group right there um but washington just barely squeaking into the playoffs if the season were were to end today as far as expectations go 
This is probably right where I had Washington. I think I had them maybe missing the playoffs considering who they've all lost. However, you know, they, they obviously have, have put together a pretty decent season considering, you know, their three of their four top players have been out and, and not playing. So that's impressive to me. And so I, I feel like they're maybe they're right at where, where I kind of expected them to be, but they are doing better than they should. If that makes sense. I think that they're, my expectations of them may be included Misaman, Deladon, you know, like, like I, I, but with the, with them being gone with Clark being hurt, I think that they're, they're outperforming just ever so slightly where they, they probably should. And I think that's in large part to some of the other players that they've, that they've got playing for them right now. So Logan, I'm curious where, uh, where is Washington in, in regards to your expectations? Have they outperformed or underperformed in your opinion? Oh, it's so tough to account for injuries when you talk about underperforming and overperforming and attributing grades because record wise, eight and 10, you know, this team on paper should be better than eight and 10. Yeah. But you know, like the, I think the Maisha Hines Allen injury was one of the crappiest things to happen this season. Like it, it probably doesn't get talked about because it happened pretty early on, like back in May, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But Man, what a bummer because Tina Charles is having this great year, but it's like out of necessity um, <laughs> because not only is Deladon, who, you know, the last time we saw her out there, the Mystics were winning the WNBA championship. Um, but then also like McCall and Clark and Heinz Allen and just the, the team that they should have had out there this year isn't out there. So I think they're underperforming, but you can't be too hard on it. You can't be like, oh, they should be, you know, up in the top four teams when it's like, you know, any, if you take the, the top three or four players off of any of the top four teams, I mean, look at Chicago. Yeah. Like Chicago's kind of clambered their way back into the fifth spot, but they didn't win a single game without Candace Parker. Like that's sort of where the mystics are at right now. As far as best and worst performances, Logan, what is the best performance that you've seen from Washington so far this season? Well, I think uh, we we just barely... Ah, no, actually, I'm going to go a different way. They were on a four-game losing streak, could have easily been five going into the Olympic break, and then Tina Charles goes for 34-17 and 17 in an overtime win at Chicago. Yes. Which, on our Chicago episode, I called out as a really tough loss for the Sky and a really big win for a Mystics team that has a lot to prove. And a lot that they're still fighting for this season despite their injuries. So that was a resilient win. It was a game that Chicago had the lead. The, the Mystics were able to not just force overtime, but then take command. And I was really, really impressed. And and the other wins this season, other than the Seattle win, not that impressive to me. I guess running New York by like 30 was pretty good. But, I mean, a lot of their other wins are just against teams that weren't playing very well at the time. Yeah. But to, to snap up that win against Chicago and at least keep yourself in the conversation, right? Like they're, they're basically in this mode that a lot of baseball teams find themselves in, which is like, like slip into the playoffs, play that single elimination game and see what happens. Like give yourself a chance. If you get your players back, if you even get half of your injured players back healthy, if Elena Deladon is, has like 70% of what she can bring to the table. Maybe you can make something happen this year. 
I like that. That's probably the call that I would give is, yeah, that Chicago Sky. And you already mentioned the other game that I had my eye on was that Seattle victory in Washington, <laughs> Washington State in Everett, um, Washington. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it sounds like Washington won in Washington as if that's the like home and it's not. It's the away. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so as far as worst performances go, for me, it comes down to this Mystic squad was looking really strong through June with the exception of an, a really, really poor outing against Atlanta. They'd won five out of six and this is the one that they didn't get. And it was a 23 point loss to Atlanta. And we already gave Atlanta an F this, <laughs> this mid season. That one to me is, was pretty shocking. There's a couple others that have me scratching my head as well, but that one's probably one that really has me eyeing as probably their worst performance on the season. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. That's a good call out. That game was tied or a two point game at halftime. I think it was 50. Yeah, it was 51 49 at halftime. It looks like, and Atlanta just jumped out in the third quarter and Washington just rolled over. And that's the last thing you never want to see a team just give in. But Washington just didn't force the issue for the entire second half of the game against an Atlanta dream team that hadn't been playing that great. Courtney Williams had a really good shooting night, but yeah, that is rough. I mean, to, they they scored less. How, how do I how do I phrase this? Washington scored fewer points with each passing quarter in all four quarters. Like their offense it's just continued worse. to go down. <laughs> yeah, and they gave up thirty two and twenty eight point quarters in the middle there. So that was a really bad one. I I tend to agree. I think that one really jumps out. I also think losing to the Sparks wasn't great. I, I know this Mystics team and the Sparks and the Dallas Wings, I kind of consider all, even like the New York Liberty, like I consider those all in the same tier. Right. But they lost to all of those teams right before the break in a row instead of, you know, taking half of them and then losing the other half. So the Sparks one also sticks out to me. It dropped them back to 500 and then they went on a little losing skid there that really hurt them. So Logan, player highlight out of Washington. I'm curious. I'm curious where you what your thoughts are on this. Who who do you want to give a shout out here from this Washington team? Y'all, just because she's not my MVP front runner doesn't mean I'm not psyched that Tina Charles is doing it. <laughs> Over 26 points a game, she's she is dominating. I mean, I really enjoy watching her play. She's having the best year of her career. As I mentioned earlier, it's sort of out of desperation because the team doesn't have a lot of things to throw at their opponents besides Charles uh, being great. But it's pretty special to watch somebody in what I think is her 11th WNBA season at age 32 having a career-defining year. Right. Um, and I, I really enjoy not just that narrative, but the fact that it is starting to like... <laughs> she's, she's sort of keeping this team in the conversation in time for reinforcements to arrive. And that's such a difficult thing to do. That's... The, the most that anybody who's a Mystics fan can ask her to do. And as a bonus, not that I, I have any ill will towards the Liberty at all, but after six seasons in a New York Liberty uniform, it kind of looks like the Liberty are having a, like a Renaissance type of year. And it's fun that Tina Charles isn't just like sitting on a sideline somewhere on a different team, watching the Liberty do it without her. She's like in the MVP conversation elsewhere, proving that she still got it. So she didn't she didn't play in the wobble season. I think taking that year off might have been the best thing that she's done for her career because coming back and playing this way has really kind of reshaped how I think about her as a player. I like that. That's a great call out. 
you know, I think that you could look at Tina Charles and, and maybe Ariel Atkins as, as kind of those two players that are really just willing Washington forward. But I want to give a shout out here to Teresa Plaisance. She's one of only three players that have played in all 18 of Washington's games. And while she's, there's nothing in her stat line that really blows you away. She's having one of the better, like, comeback seasons that we've seen last season she was averaging less than seven minutes per game and now she's over 20 and she's you know tripled her not just increased in minutes a ton but she's more than tripled her points per game her rebounds are way up she's shooting better across the board uh in all aspects of the game Plaisance is having a really solid solid season for washington and i think that you know you got to have five players on the court and Tina Charles, Ariel Atkins, even Heinz Allen are doing some some good work there. But if it wasn't for players like Plaisance, we could see this team being, you know, another iteration of the Sparks. And uh, and so I think I, I got to give my shout out to Plaisance here for uh, for the season that she's having so far. Logan, it's finally time. Let's get a midseason grade for the Washington Mystics. Now, before you give us your your grade, I want to read off. We've had a few people drop in their grade that they're giving Washington here in the chat, and it's pretty much all in the C range, some C minuses and Cs that we're seeing come in for Washington. So I'm curious, do you agree with that, or are you going uh, are you going a different direction with Washington's midseason grade? C feels generous. I don't feel like they've been... <laughs> Average. I feel like they've been below average. So I, you know, C minus, D plus. I think D plus is on the table. We haven't seen any D pluses in the chat, and I I understand that. But the the way that I think you could give them an even C is what I was saying earlier about Charles, which is like they've done enough that if the back half of the year is is better, if they play kind of closer to what their roster was meant to be at the beginning of the season pre injuries then suddenly they're in the playoffs and kind of a dangerous team. Like maybe if they're in the playoffs alongside, you know, who are those other teams that aren't going to be top four seeds? Like Phoenix is in there. Dallas might slip in. Yeah. I could see the mystics kind of giving themselves a chance to oust those teams. I mean, this is a team that won a championship two years ago. They're more battle tested than almost anybody, especially those teams. So yeah, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and go C minus with an eye toward kind of an optimistic second half. I like that. I like that. I, I realize that I, I'm, I'm trying not to come across as just like pandering and, and continually just being like a little bit higher than you on all of my grades. But for me, I, I got to give a C plus to this team because I think, I think that they've done enough to keep themselves in contention. And Tina Charles is having one of the best seasons of any player that I've ever seen. Um, and so to have that be taking place all while, you know, some really big key pieces of your team are, are nowhere to be found and to have to lean on a brand new option. A, I think that Heinz Allen and Atkins, obviously, you know, from, from the last season have, have done a good job of handling it, but to have someone come in and be the new alpha and to be the new, you know, first option and to not only be brand new into the team, but go off and potentially set a record in the WNBA this season for points. 
I think that, you know, I just got to give it up. Uh, if nothing else, I'm, it's a C, but it bumps up to a C plus just based on Tina Charles's efforts alone. So there you have it. There's our grades for these three teams. We want to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter at W, at WNBA Nation Pod. Let us know what you think about what we had to say about Phoenix, Seattle, and Washington. Tell us if, uh, if we're way off base and, uh, and, Go for it. Let us let us know what you really think. So, Logan, uh, before we before we head out for the day, is there anything that uh, that we're missing that you need to make sure that our listeners know? No, I don't know exactly when this episode will drop, but uh, it's <laughs> good point. It, we you know, we've had uh, we've now wrapped up midseason grades. The next episode, I'm sure, will drop. Will be kind of eyeing what's going to happen here in August, September as we wrap up for the playoffs and just be on the lookout for that. We, the show, by the time this comes out, the show might be sounding a little bit different, a little bit better. Maybe some advertisements dropped in there from our new sponsorship with blue wire pods, uh, which is pretty fun. Something we're excited about that we've announced in previous shows. But if, if you haven't uh, listened lately and you're catching up on some missed episodes, we've got some big things happening here on the back end, which is very exciting. We should also be getting better internet, Jason, and uh, kind of recovering new new dad, Steve, uh, hopefully more <laughs> involved as, as well on the latter half of the season. I know they're both very busy, uh, which is why you and I have taken kind of ownership of these midseason grade episodes. But obviously they're going to be uh, joining us, especially as we ramp up for the postseason again. So be on the lookout for more coming from there. We also have a store envy page. It's wnbanation.storeenvy.com where you can go get sweet new gear. We have new designs out there that if you haven't checked it out in a while, you might want to check out. Well said, Logan. And for WNBA Nation, I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next time.